win. Uh, does money bring happiness? I'm joined today by Rola Tomasi. How are you doing tonight, Rola? Good, good. How are you? Yeah, good, man. Um, I'm glad we got this opportunity to connect because I know you're working on an essay on this very topic. And again, the show is really all about just kicking ass in life. And oh, hang on, I got some. There we go. Got to mute that. It's about just kicking ass in life and, uh, you know, doing the work and not mm-hmm. making excuses. And there's a big difference between playing to win and playing not to lose. And I got a visual here I want to show you because this really uh, sets it up. Uh, so I shared this on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, it's entrepreneurs oh, yeah. underscore in underscore cars. And this is the difference between playing to win and playing not to lose. <laughs> Let me just see if I can get this to square up in the screen just a little bit better. There we go. So this lioness over here is playing not to lose. And you'll see playing to win in just one second. That right there is playing to win. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's close it up. Effortless (laughs) for... Maximum effort. Yeah, effortless for such a large animal. So if you guys come Mm -hmm. across anything in your travels on the interwebs and you want to send it over to me that looks, that compares the, that'll contrast playing to win versus playing not to lose, send it Mm -hmm. over to me. Just send me a DM or email it. I'd love to share it on one of these future episodes. Um, so the way that we're doing tonight's show is, um, Roland, I kind of want to kick off and have a little bit of a chat first, and then we'll take some calls. Uh, Josh is going to be screening calls for me. So what I've done is I've dropped the StreamYard join link. That's going to go to Josh. Um, he's going to make sure your camera's working, audio solid. You got a, a question, and then he's going to give you my link to join in the waiting area for the stream, and I'll bring you in at the right moment. So click that, have a quick conversation with him. He'll make sure you've uh, got your audio and your video working good, and then we'll take you in over here in this room. So hopefully this cleans up the experience for you guys watching on your end going forward. Uh, it's kind of like a test in life with anything else, right? This is how you play to win, Roll. You just got to, right. you know, you got to try these things out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you said something to me interesting to me today where, uh, hang on, let me see if I can dig it up here. I'm not going to show the screen, sure. but I just want to, because you said something about and you weren't sure about what it is you were doing, right? <laughs> yeah. What did you say exactly yeah. here? No, okay. Well, here's the thing is, and I have always, I don't know, I, this, I, I wanted to come on this. When you told me you were going to do this show, I was like, man, I'm a, maybe I can get on that and do this. You know, talk something uh, like I I usually when I'm speaking and when I'm talking about stuff it's about intersexual dynamics and if I cross over into other topics um, such as maybe entrepreneurship or business or whatever I don't think I talk about money all that much but like if it is uh, has to do with intersexual dynamics I will cross over so if it's religion or politics or whatever as long as it is in that realm but like in this case it's like I think that um might be interesting to sort of get my take on uh on not necessarily how much i or what i what i view as far as money is concerned but like just i think i don't know maybe like person the best way i can say this is personal economics like your like your belief set about money your belief set about success because those two things are like intertwined and the thing i was telling you is this is I've been pretty successful in my life. Okay. I'm not an entrepreneur. I've never called myself an entrepreneur. Um, I've been more or less an artist my entire life. Um, whether that is, and I do a lot of different things. People, they might not know this about me because I'm always Roll Tomasi, the guy who's talking about intersectional dynamics, but I have been in, um, I've, I've, I have a habit of going from 
creating a, a revenue stream for myself and then moving on to the next one. And so my primary, they always say, you know, you want to have um, passive forms of income. Well, all of my active forms of income end up becoming my passive forms of income as I move on to the next project or I move on to the next thing that I'm doing in my life. You're so, actually quite humble though, because you're a lot more successful than anybody well, would be led to know, right? I mean, I, you've done really well with your liquor brands. I've done good. Your book sells. I mean, it's a phenomenal piece of work. I've recommended mm -hmm. it hundreds of times. I've referenced it hundreds of times. I've quoted it hundreds of times. Mm -hmm. um, you do good work, and as a result of having impact in people's lives and um, pursuing that purpose that you have to bring clarity to men. I, I mean, like mm -hmm. your your purpose, from what I understand it, and I'm not putting words in your mouth here, but from what mm -hmm. I understand it is you don't want other guys like your brother-in-law to put a noose around their neck. So when mm -hmm. they understand these core concepts, they won't, um, you know, get into the mistake of pedestalizing a woman and having mm -hmm. one itis and going to do, you know, silly things right. like that. So I think that that itself is you playing to win because playing think, not yeah. to lose would have, would have, you know, hid yourself in the uh, vast shadows of the interwebs and maybe mm -hmm. remained as Rolo Tomasi without showing your face. Like the first time we talked, when I approached you, we did a Skype interview and mm -hmm. you would not run your camera. You just did audio only. Mm -hmm. And you've, you've come out of that dark corner of the web right. to present yourself as Rolo Tomasi. You've done the speaking events. Uh, there's now a face to the name. They know that mm -hmm. it's legit, right? right? That's, that's, that's playing to win. And that comes mm -hmm. with some risk, right? Like that comes well, with some exposure to all kinds of problems too. For sure. For sure. I, and I, when I was, I've been writing for all, well, in what we now call the manosphere for at least the last 18 or so years. I mean, I, I started, uh, I always you think of my start date as like the, in 2002 when I was writing for So Suave. So um, just about eight, well, um, gosh, almost 20 years now. But it's um, uh, back then I had to be very careful because I never wanted to cross over my my liquor brands or my my real work, my real life with my online life. And that it took a long time for me to really be comfortable with finding a way to, to mix those two and it it took it really took um the, the divestment of the company that i used to work for for me to say okay maybe now is okay to do that and it would re it used to kill me because i would deal with pr girls and i would deal with because i was in marketing i was in brand management that's all i did and i kept thinking you know if i could in some way do like a Rolo Tomasi brand of whiskey or a Rolo Tomasi brand of whatever, you know, um, it, any kind of, I was thinking like a brandy or a scotch or something like that at the time. And I, I have two liquor brands that are, I have just an ownership stake in. It's not like I own them outright. God forbid I own them outright, but um, I have an ownership. I get royalties basically from a mm -hmm. couple of brands. And I have always wanted to at least one of them. The, the vodka brand I don't I I'm done with, but the 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 whiskey brand I have been a little bit public with. It's called uh, Tap Rye Whiskey, and it's uh, I did the the logo for it. I did the the whole thing for a very long time, and now I'm I just kind of sit back and and let them do their own thing. But I always thought, I always thought, man, if I could just somehow find a way to cross over because I. I'm looking at like if you go and you look at the the online presence of some of these brands that I've been associated with, all I would have to do is say, yeah, this is the this is my brand, this is the one I endorse, and it would like increase their exposure, and they would make, I mean, they could make a lot of money off of it if I were to co-brand with them. 
but I don't want to do that. I would rather have, I'd rather make like create something new for myself mm -hmm. and, and maybe push it that way. But, um, I don't, I've never wanted to do that because I've been very careful of that because I don't know how certain brands will react to the manosphere, react to me, react mm -hmm. to like the, 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 my message as Rolo Tomasi, not my message as, you know, the guy who does the liquor brands. Mm -hmm. And so I've always been careful of that because I've seen this happen. I've seen brands become destroyed and good brands become destroyed because of a bad email or because somebody said something like right now we in in today's society it's it's real easy for like particularly men to get run up the flagpole in the court of social media so if you get like a me too accusation or even just a suspicion that's all it takes right now and so what happens is that's how like a doxing works or that's how um how uh guys that's how like antifa like it would, we would talk about like uh jack um jack murphy like when he got doxxed by antifa they came after him and they came after his his personal life they came after his his family they came after his little league coaching and they came after that's his what they job do. That's what and they so do. so yeah. this is because i'm going to tell you this from one side because i've seen this from both sides right now when i have been working in some in some uh some brands when i'm working with a few brands the people who run those brands don't they're not internet savvy they don't know they don't know about antifa they don't know about donald trump they don't know about this they, they don't know anything all they know is what it is that they do and the only concern that they have is their brand so it's easier to fire you over an allegation than it is to go oh let me let me see if this is really legit let me and let me dig into this and try to sort this out and untangle this and see if I can keep you in the job that you're in. It's they, it's just simpler to say get out of here, leave. This is like a, another broadcast entirely. Like this is mm -hmm. about image management, really. Well, yeah, is that's, where we're kind of leaning into. Yeah, but well, like, I want to circle it back and bring it back right. to well, money I'm, I'm, and happiness. I'm, I'm coming back to that because okay, go. what what happened is as far as like my money and my happiness was concerned, I had to make that separation because of that. So what I would end up doing, and just in my my own personal history, I've gone from from various jobs that I've done, and those end up becoming my passive sources of income. So if I do, if I work in some capacity with like the gaming industry, I'll leave something behind me where they have to consult me or they have to come back to me to to get information so that they can keep their thing like i think it's in the 48 laws of power where they say you know make yourself indispensable mm -hmm. you know so that you you know never teach everybody all your tricks mm -hmm. i've always done that that's always seemed like the, the the knowledgeable thing to do right and so what i have a habit of doing is creating passive sources of income that end up they they used to be my main source of income and then i move on from there and i'm kind of in a weird position right now because i kind of like right now my my being role tomasi and my books and everything is competing with my income in my real life in my real job and i never want to get to that point where where I have to be dependent on being role tomasi because i know that it can be taken away from me so if you want to say if you want to say, uh, we want to talk about happiness and, and all that kind of stuff, I think really happiness comes from, like people will say job security 
or that like that's to me that's kind of like survivalism like you want to have just that's job playing security. not to and lose whenever somebody says not job security that's mm-hmm. playing not to lose it's playing right? not to lose yeah um, and and so i've never i've always thought this like and you you probably heard me say this before how i think it's one of my one of my you know, posts or whatever is women need security they want that security because of the way that they that women evolved. They're always looking for that. They're looking for the guy who's always going to be dependable. They're going to look for the guy, and this is. But they're still looking for the exciting guy as well. So there's sort of this security side of hypergamy, and then there's this there's this adventurous excitement side of of security or, or of, of hypergamy. And I've always this is what taught me this is that there's no such thing as security. There's always going to be something you didn't see. Uh, well, and the need, jobs that I you, thought that I was the most secure are the ones that like fell apart and I yeah. was caught with my pants down. Yeah. And you also need that instability for the growth opportunity because shit mm-hmm. that's way too stable that like rocks, like boulders don't move yeah. very much. Right. I mean, like you have to have mm-hmm. some uh, pliability in it. I want to kind of um, jump in a little bit of history lesson about money before we mm-hmm. really get into this money and happiness dynamic. Um, I got a couple of guys in the waiting area right now. Um, I'm going to get to you guys shortly, maybe in about 10 minutes or so. So just sit back and relax. Mm-hmm. We'll definitely get to you tonight. We'll make sure we get your questions on, but um, kind of the origin story of money. So we can frame it in perspective was money was created to store value. Mm-hmm. Um, so my last name's Cooper. Um, historically, Coopers were known as barrel makers through mm-hmm. Throw um, throughout medieval times. So, if you need a barrel to contain some kind of fluid, a grain, or anything like that, that's what Coopers would do. And let's say, you know, we're just going to use Tomasi as an example. Let's say that the mm-hmm. Tomasis were, uh, I don't know, chicken farmers, mm-hmm. and you needed a barrel to store your chicken feed, and I needed chickens to feed my family. We would just barter. I'd give you a barrel, mm-hmm. and you'd negotiate. I'll give you three chickens for a barrel, and that would be the deal, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But at some point, maybe chickens aren't, re, you know, like reproducing. There was also a lot of perishable items, um, foods, for example, like corn, hay, and stuff like that, which would not store. And you couldn't barter with something that had gone bad. So what you would do is they created um, a form of value to store, which really started out with gold and silver. And like, you know, they'd mm-hmm. kind of make it into chunks and they would trade with that, which eventually turned into paper money and credit and so on and so forth to today. So. All that money really is, is it's a representation. It's a store of some value that you've created. So if I were to have accumulated a certain value of money for selling barrels to the Tomasi clan and selling barrels to the Stone clan, for example, um, that would represent me manufacturing a shitload of barrels, improving their lives, and they would give me some sort of store of value in exchange for that money. <clears throat> so that's what it is just to kind of break that down into simple terms because a lot of people get very upset when you start talking about money rich you're out of touch there's no way i can be a millionaire <clears throat> i've heard all kinds of stories from people and excuses that they make up as far as um you know money being evil and money is not an evil thing um you can't have i mean it's very very difficult with some exceptions with you know cocaine drug dealers and stuff like that um that may have been more evil people, but it's very, very difficult for you to acquire wealth and money uh, and be evil at the same time. Like Bill Gates is not an evil man. He's a very rich man, in fact, and um, he does some impressive things in the world today now that he's retired from Microsoft. Um, He's finding ways to get rid of raw sewage in developing countries to Mm -hmm. reduce and eliminate um, 
you know, diseases that transmit very easily with, you know, contaminated water. So you can do some pretty impressive things with it. And that's, and that's what it does. In my opinion, I think that money, it doesn't bring you happiness, Mm -hmm. but I've never seen a guy crying in a Lamborghini. Okay. Let me just expand on that a little bit more. Um, it brings you options is what I believe that it brings you. It builds potential. It, it, it brings you the ability to solve problems. I mean, a guy with a few million dollars versus a guy that's working in a secure job at a factory or something like that doesn't have the same medical options as a guy like Bill Gates would, for example. Bill Gates has mm-hmm. far more opportunities to solve um, a terminal illness diagnosis than somebody working his secure job, right? So you got to look at it from that perspective. It gives you the flexibility to do things that a lot of other people can't do because you can buy uh, solutions to problems that you have. You can also, you know, I mean, if things bring you happiness, like for me, cars bring me happiness, right? Like I just, Mm -hmm. that's my thing. I like fast cars. So I spend some money on fast cars. Um, Everybody's got their poison, right? But Mm -hmm. it's just, it's the journey itself. I think that is the most fun to the accumulation of that experiences bank right yeah. and then mm-hmm. it's the experiences at the end of the day you're right mm-hmm. it's the experiences at the end of the day uh that people remember when they're on their deathbed they don't care about mm-hmm. the lamborghini they've got in the garage but what they will remember is when they drove seven thousand miles across the u.s uh and spent you know all that money to do the gold rush rally with all their friends and they went on to all these monuments and places Mm -hmm. and they had those experiences and the nightclubs and the dinners and the exclusive access parties and all that sort of stuff that's what people remember and that's what money buys you as well is it brings is it lets you experience things that other people are unable to experience if that makes sense yeah i i answered uh i think dr sean smith asked something on twitter about about three or four days ago i said something what do you think about money like what is your particular thing i've had my my impression of money change over the years um i particularly when i went from sort of the workaday world into okay i need to find projects to to make money to like, I want to be my own boss. I don't want to work for other people anymore. I want to do my own thing. I had to change my mind about it because I think that when you're in sort of the nine to five work a day world, you are, you're not playing, like you said, you're not playing to win. You're playing to just survive. These are survivalists. These are people who want to just go in, put in their 40 hours a week and come back home and, and do whatever it is that be comfortable to whatever. Um, there was a time where I would have been, I would have been somewhat like that. I've always, because I'm an artist and I want to make things. And so to make things and to create things, I have to have the money to do that. I have to have some way of, of facilitating the things that I want to do. My dad taught me this one time. He says, you know what? Uh, Cause I wanted to be a rock star, right? When I was, when I was younger and my dad said, okay, well try to be a rock star, but uh, why don't you want you get a job and, and bust your ass and then you do a, be a rock star and that'll be your project or that'll be something on the side, right? There's always this plan B. So go and get the job as the graphic designer and then you can use that to fund your, you know, your projects, your flights of fancy or whatever it is that you want to do. And sometimes that's good and sometimes that's not good because you end up with this idea about money as in it's like something that is difficult. It's something that is, it's a hard thing to acquire. It's something that you like people who start their own businesses, they're taking that risk. They're running out there again. It's like zero security, but th- I think your attitude towards money changes. Now you, you know this cause I, when we were on rule zero last Saturday, I, I just bought a truck. 
Okay. I just bought a, a, a newer truck. Okay. It's not brand new. Did you get rid of the Hummer? Or, or I got rid of, I got okay. rid of the Hummer. Um, well, I traded it in, but the Hummer's like next to, I mean, you go to a dealer and they don't give you jack shit. For yeah, it. Not worth um, but, um, but I paid for the car outright. And I won't tell you exactly what it was, but it was a, it put it this way in my workaday life. Like, you know, if I was when I was in my my 20s, had I been like, you know, uh, even 30, 31 years old or so, I would have I couldn't have dreamed of having a car like this much less pay for it outright. And I've, I've reached a point in my life where I'm like, why? You know, why, why have a car payment? You know, if I don't have to have a car payment, why not? You know, so I, I went from thinking about like owning a car mm. based on how much I could pay per month as opposed to that's the car I want. How am I going to make that happen? And I, I catch myself doing this occasionally too. Cause like when I, when I sold my house in Florida, there was a time where I like, I'll go and buy the house in Florida mm -hmm. and it's because I want to have that house. And so I had to change my mind about it. It's like, it's not impossible to have two houses. It's not impossible to, to, you know, to, if you just think about money in a different fashion. And that's, I think that's really one of the hardest things for people to, to realize. And then I was answering that question by, by Dr. Sean Smith. And I said this, and people thought I was like smoking crack or something, but I said, look, money is currency. And that is, of course, we call it currency, like money, we, you know, whatever, you know, currency converter and stuff like that. But why do they call money currency? Because it's a current, because it's like an electrical current. You need that currency to make things happen, to turn the light on, to turn the computer on, to do whatever. There has to be some kind of underlying current, some kind of, some form of energy or whatever you want to call it. I mean, in this case, it's electricity, right? There has to be a current so that you can make something happen. And that's when I sort of changed my mind about money, when I started seeing it as not some kind of like, you know, impossible thing to get or something to like obsess over, mm -hmm. but to use it as a raw material or use it as the raw energy to turn on the light, to make this project happen, to buy this car, to start another business, to hire somebody to help me out with something, to like, how do I get things done? And I'm, I used to worry about having no money, but once you get to a point where you can, you're confident in your capacity to generate money, then even when you get zeroed out, and we've talked about that a million times, even when you get zeroed out financially, and you can be zeroed out in a lot of different ways, you can certainly be zeroed out financially. Um, well, you are need you gonna, money are you to deal with that too. That? Like if you ever mm -hmm. get zeroed out, you need financial resources to solve that problem. It could come in the form of legal issues. It could come in the form of you need a large sum of cash to deal with a problem, right? Like that, mm -hmm. like, does that, does that bring you happiness? No, but it, but it can solve the problem. Um, what we got about, me, what we got about four people waiting right now in the waiting area, Rolo. So mm -hmm. I want to move okay. to that real quick. So just wrap up your, okay, uh, I was just going to say yeah. really quickly, what brings me, like when we have this conversation is like, can, can money buy your happiness? Yeah. Well, not, it's not going to buy you happiness, but it can power the things that make you happy that can drive you to so it's like and then the joke is this of course you know it can buy me things that make me happy like so what is it i think it we have to and even before we get to the colleges we have to define what it is that is happiness to me happiness is creating something new because i'm an artist i want to create things how do i create things well i gotta have money to create things i gotta you know keep the lights on so that i can go and do what i want to do so to me money is necessary 
for happiness. Now I could find other ways to be happy, of course, but like me as a person, I think really what it comes down to is what is it that makes you happy? For some people, it's mm. experience. For some people, it might be status. For some people, what it is, uh, finding out what it is that makes you happy, um, that's really the basis of that definition. Like, can it buy you happy? Well, not going to mm -hmm. buy you the happiness, but it can fund the things that you like to do, that you can do, that can better the world. That Anybody that ever said money world. doesn't buy you happiness never had any. That's no. really what it always boils down no, to. And, and, it's, and it's people who want to find, and I, I wanted to get to this really quick, is uh, people want to find contentment. That's the whole thing, is people think that you that i don't think that, that contentment I, is enough though because contentment when i hear somebody say well i just want to be content again that's playing mm -hmm. not to lose can't. playing playing to win is anti-fragility in my estimation mm -hmm. i think you need to lean into a position where you're anti-fragile and one of the things that you need to be anti-fragile is money because mm -hmm. it can because it can deal with a lot of problems for you it can solve a lot of problems it can help you maneuver better mm -hmm. it can do a lot right I, I think that the human condition is discontent and how we manage that discontent yeah. is, is the key. So if you want to, if you well, want to do is to go into social media for five minutes, any day on Facebook and yeah. it's all discontent all day long, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, be, and why, and why do we think of that negatively? Because those people are dealing with discontent in a destructive fashion, in a yeah. manner that doesn't build something. You can deal with discontent creatively or you can deal with it destructively. And most people, unfortunately, opt for the destructive thing yeah. because they don't believe in them. They don't believe that they have the capacity to generate money, to be happy, to do the things that they want to do. And so they're discontent in a manner that is self-destructive as opposed to constructive. I'm, I'm if the minute you can look in the mirror and be happy with what you see, you're sunk mm -hmm. because it, you're, even after I got my my degree, even after I got uh, to the point where I am today, I'm always thinking, what's the next project? What else can I build? What can I, you know, oh, I'm going to do another book. Yeah, that's great. I'm going to do another book. I'm going to do this fourth book. And then I'm going to move on to writing fiction after that and see if I can do that because that's something that I want to do. It's a project, right? And so I think it's important for guys to, first of all, accept that there's no such thing as contentment and there's no such thing as security. So if those are the constants for you, what are you going to do in that environment? What are you going to do with that being your reality? Well, you can either kick ass or you can sort of just hope that things are, you, you can allow life to happen to you or you can happen to life. Yeah. Uh, Frederick, I'm going to throw you on. Uh, I think you're the first one in line. Oh, no, he wanted to switch over to a different browser. So, oh, he's back. Let's throw him back on. There you go. Frederick, can you hear us okay? Frederick. I kind of hear him. I'm not hearing him. Oh. Here, I'm going to pull you back out. Let me know in the private chat if you got yourself working. Uh, Niall, I'll throw you on. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, it's Niall. Okay. Niall, yeah. okay, cool. You have a question tonight? Yes, I do. All right, fire away, man. Uh, You're on. Do I Go for it? All right, so my question is about um, motivation. So usually for me, when you gave me that advice on Instagram one time, uh, I took that and, yeah, I've been doing the stuff I like to do. But what usually happens is I just get, when I feel down, I just give up really easily and I feel, and whenever people make comments, I just, I internally kind of like cry and I try to hide it, but I know it. I know it hurts me and I feel like people bring me down constantly. I just want to know, like, how can you just like, 
say 15, 16. How old are you? And like not have people bring you down and just be able to, to keep on doing it without people, without other people dictating how you feel about something. How old are you, man? And that's it. Uh, 14 in January. Oh, wow. We got a young guy on tonight. Good, good, what do you good. got for him, Rolla? Uh, well, I, I'll tell you this, this is I, there was a time and I, I don't think I was quite as young as you, but there was a time where I really thought that other people's opinions of me mattered. Right. And I, here's, here's the God's honest truth is we do believe that I think as social animals, as human beings, we want, you know, we want people to approve of us. We want to have some sort of status. We want that belonging. Human beings tend to be more, well, of course, we're naturally, innately tribalistic, so we want to feel like we fit in. It's when you start beating yourself up over that kind of stuff and, and, and over-exaggerating over that into your own ego. Because what right now is you're very, it sounds to me anyways, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds to me that you're very ego-invested in the opinions of other people right now of other guys and that's real easy to do in high school i understand that because you only know you've only got one social circle and you're kind of locked into that local localized social circle so uh the first thing is this you have to understand that you live in a very big world not just that little small world right there so you can go you could go today and like, let's just say I picked you up from wherever you're living right now. And I took you a uh, hundred miles to the next city over. You can basically decide I'm not going to be Nile today. I'm going to be Joe. Right. And you can, you could completely create this new persona for you. And other people right. would still would, would relate to you as such. Right. So when you think about it, like when you are dealing with other people, when you're dealing with, um, with like social situations, um, you are who you say you are. So who are you going to be? Like, what do you, what is it about yourself that like, like that? You, is there something in you that you want to change that you think other people would like you better because of that? Or is it just like something that you just like, you're just beating yourself up over. So just to add to that, um, when you care too much about what other people think about you, cause this is, this is like a show about chasing excellence and playing a win. You're not playing a win. Anybody that is on a path in their life where they're putting their dent in the universe, they're making bank, they're solving problems, they've always got critics. They've always got somebody trying to bring them down. I mean, I've constantly got people trying to bring me down. They make hit pieces on me on YouTube because I got nothing better to do with their time, right? So people will always aim at you when they think that they will benefit in some way from disparaging you. Right. They think that it, that that by by bringing you down, it, it brings them up. And the other thing that you always got to remember is, is hate never comes from somebody better than you. Hate always come, comes from somebody beneath you. People never get jealous of losers. Right. Mm -hmm. Always remember that people never get jealous mm -hmm. of losers. It's 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 the reason why the entire half of the United States is all over Donald Trump, like a fat kid on a smarty. The guy's won all his life. Okay. The guy's not a loser. I mean, he's the president of the most powerful country in the world. Despite what you may, may or may not you know, like about his policies, he's still not a loser, right? So always remember that. And you're always going to have these crabs in the bucket, my friend. <laughs> they want to bring you back down to their level. And if you find yourself you know, surrounded by these people that are bringing you down, it's, it's, it's upon you to remove them from your circle of influence. Like you're never going to play to win if you, you know, hang around with a bunch of turkeys on the ground. You want to soar like an eagle, you got to get up at altitude and hang out with the other eagles, right?
Mm-hmm. So you just get rid of these losers. You know, I'll tell you, I'll just tell you, leave you with one other thing. There was a time in my life I was about 16 years old, and there was a, a like for a long time I really wanted to make my dad proud. And then I realized that it doesn't matter whether I make him proud or not. And I wasn't like I was trying to to influence the the way that somebody else thought about me rather than being focused on what it is I was doing, what my project was at that time, you know, what it is like building on me. And it took me a long time to come to this conclusion is that I needed to make myself my mental point of origin. And I think that's where you, where you need to start. I wish somebody would have told me this when I was 14 years old, when you, this is gold. Yeah. This is some gold shit here right now. When you are now, when you are thinking, when you like one of the reasons why you beat yourself up is because you do not make yourself your mental point of origin. Now people think, People think that when I say that, that I mean, oh, you just need to make yourself number one or you need to be the prize or whatever. Yeah, but here's the thing is, is you need to get to the point where when you are faced with a decision that your first thought that enters into your brain is how is this going to affect me? What can I do with this information? How is this going? How is whatever's coming in from the outside world? How does this affect me and what am i going to do with all of this because most people and probably yourself right now their first inclination their first thought is how is this going to affect my family how is this going to affect my dad how is this going to affect my my girlfriend how is this going to affect my wife how is what are they going to think of me if i do what are they going to think of me if i do this or what you know and that's their first thought rather than be surprised how little people think of you People, people really spend very little time thinking yeah. about you and your choices because they're so like, especially women, because they're so solipsistic, like all they, mm-hmm. you know, they can't see past, past their own nose. So a lot of the times we spend way too much time thinking, oh, what's somebody going to think of me if I do this? Or if I walk away from mm-hmm. this event, or if I quit that, or, you know, if I don't go here, or if I don't show up on time with a gift in hand sort of thing, what are they going to think of me? Dear God. And when you realize it, like when you really boil it down to the basics, people don't really care that much. Mm-hmm. They're just not paying a lot of attention. Everybody is not out to get you, but everybody is out for themselves. Yeah. So uh, bear that in mind. But I think most importantly, when you're faced with the decision, start today and say, how does this affect me? Not how is this going to affect other people? How is this going to affect whatever? Start making yourself your mental point of origin. That means that whatever your thoughts are, the first thought begins with you, not with, with anyone else. All right, dude. Thanks for the question, man. I'm going to let you go because we got a a lineup of guys to get in here. Thanks, brother. All right. um, Frederick, I'm going to throw you on. Colson, I'll put you on next, okay? All right. You're up, buddy. All right. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes. Go. Can you hear me? Okay. So, uh, first of all, it's a big honor uh, speaking to you guys. I've been following you in Ridge for about nine months. And Rolo, I've read the the first edition. and. And I've ordered the other two ones. <laughs> there you go. Cool. Thank you. I'm I'm eight. I'm I'm eighteen, and I'm currently reading the way of men. But mm-hmm. um, the thing is, I just graduated. Uh, what is like high school in Denmark? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. High cool. school. So, um, is if I'm speaking quiet, it's two a.m. here. I've okay. stayed up all okay. night. Okay. No problem. No problem. Um, I am. Um, I have. I think I have three ways i would want to go first one is education is free in denmark so i thought about getting a degree in international business and then see if i could letting myself a job at one of the big football clubs in europe because i like mm-hmm. football the the other one is uh, becoming a pilot but that's very expensive that's about mm-hmm. 150 
thousand US dollars. And the last one is uh, starting a skincare business, a masculine skincare uh, brand, mm. since I've become quite obsessed with it. Um, I also got inspired by Aaron Marino from Alpha M with his skincare brand. And I read that. He's got a sunglass brand is, now, too. Hmm. Yeah. And I read that it's apparently the male grooming industry is expected to be worth $166 billion in Well, they are feminizing men, so you can expect a lot more guys to put that yeah. crap on their face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but I, I think that I, with taking a degree or becoming a pilot, that's because I'm afraid of taking the risk and that's kind of playing to lose. So um, my advice uh, or my question is Play, playing not to lose. Of, mm-hmm. Yeah. Playing not to lose. Playing, I've playing seen what the nine to five, nine to five does to people who hate their job. Um, and my worst fear is ending up regretting what I've done for my life and not feeling like I've uh, persuaded what I pursued, what I wanted to. So what is your best advice for an 18 year old guy who wants to, you know, kick ass and first of all, I'm just grateful that we have YouTube to do stuff like this today because yeah. I never had this chance at 18. Like this is like, dude, like you have such an advantage today being able to to like click a button, come in here and say, Hey, I'm thinking about these things. I'm asking these questions. What do you think? Like <laughs> anyway, um, so to your question, right? Yeah. Um, complete this question for me. I lose track of time when. What are you doing when, when I you was can? younger? When I played football, okay. When I played football, but I got an injury. Are you a footballer? Can you play? Or are you like you're talking about support roles? I played, you know, soccer, but I got injured. So now, like, my, I like watching it, and I I'm interested in the like business side of it. What do you like about planes? What do you like about being a pilot? Interesting job. Aviation is fascinating. Mm-hmm. It's pretty boring. You're and basically then, uh, a, a bus driver in the sky. Like you push a few buttons, you take off, and then you just put in your, your coordinates and you sit there, right? That's really about it. Yeah. So, and the other one was skincare. So what do you like about the skincare yeah. product line? Well, I've, I've dealt with acne and I always, I would like to, maybe I could help someone mm-hmm. deal with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I haven't dealt with it really well. Mm-hmm. I've not got a lot of help, but I would like wish I could have received some. A the, good product. The pilot angle is playing not to lose. Nice, safe job, good yeah. pension, you know, lots mm-hmm. of free time. Um, you know, it's a pretty good job, right? Um, yeah. You don't have any clarity around what you want to do with football, but you have purpose behind the skincare product line to solve acne for young people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the one and that like I would lean into. Creating a masculine brand. Yeah. That's yeah. the one that I would lean into. Yeah. That would that would be playing playing to win. Yeah, certainly in the certainly in the near future, anyways. Um, I, I was just gonna say this is that the way that you answer those questions. Your first question was, "That's your passion. That's you. You like that. You like football. Um, you know, maybe circumstances won't permit you to actually play it. Um, is there something that you could do? To, or put it this way, would you be satisfied to be in that in a support role rather than playing football? Because playing football is a whole lot different than like managing a team or you know whatever it is that you're doing. So that for the first one is your fantasy, or excuse me, the first one is your passion. The second one is your fantasy because you you think that it it's it's intriguing, right? It's fascinating to to be a, a pilot, but in the reality, in the real world, being a being a pilot is really kind of you know that you get more money of course but you're you're like rich said you're it's almost a cubicle job because you're sitting in the yeah it really in a cubicle um and then third i think this is really more your purpose 
is your purpose is you, you, you've seen a problem and you want to create a solution for that problem. So I would, I'm going to go with Rich here as well. I would say um, the doing the skincare thing and starting a business and that, I mean, that's going to take some, some balls, but at least you're going to have, you'll be doing something that you have a purpose behind and that you feel like you like, that's why I wrote the books, right? Because I wanted to help guys from you know killing themselves that was my purpose yeah. for the book and then you know you're a savior I also, dude yeah well thank you but <laughs> i um i i try to always with everything i do even with the book i try to unite all of those things like your passion your fantasy and your and your actual purpose right um it's great it, like they tell you you know if you do the things you like that uh you'll never work a day in your life well okay but is that being secure or is that being is that taking risks because you want to play to win win life or is that just because you want to be secure and where you're at and again it goes back to what i was saying before is there's no such thing as contentment so just because like you start uh, a business on like you know helping guys solve acne problems or something a skincare kind of thing that doesn't mean that you're not going to later start another business that might also be just as purposeful but i think right now that's probably your best option but yeah. What I found is like I like I said I was telling Rich before I go from project to project to project, and it is, it's just the doing I think like no I never I didn't set out to become a brand man I didn't go to school to be a brand manager for liquor brands or or to, to be a writer I certainly I didn't major in English, but it's something that I did and it it I I became who I am I'm I'm where I'm at right now because I got out there and I started doing stuff that. Either I had a purpose for, or I felt passionate about. I just want to say okay. one more thing before I let you go, and this is going to be a very unpopular opinion. I know I'm going to ruffle some feathers, but I tend to do that, so why stop today? Mm -hmm. um, if if you go and pursue something in football, let's say I don't know, assistant coach, maybe you coach a certain element of the game, maybe you're doing something with stadiums. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, that that wouldn't be nearly as close to playing to win as creating a, a successful uh, skincare line for teenagers that solves acne simply because the guy that's playing to win in football is on the pitch and is the captain of the team. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah. um, you might find some happiness and some interest and, and success in it. But one of the, one of the things that I notice a lot about people that watch sports a ton is they're watching other people playing to win. Right. And they're yeah. often, you know, sitting behind a screen yelling at the TV, um, you know, with their buddies drinking beer or mm. and pretend. Um, that's a really, that's a really, leagues. that's a really good observation because for all of those, for the, uh, the, the football side of things and the pilot, you are beholden to other people. You are working for right. someone else, right? You're not in a, a position of being able to direct you're not in a position of power. power the guy that, the the guy that plays to win lives. is on the podium, and the and the podium right. winner gets all of the eyeballs, yeah. right? Yeah. Doing the doing the skincare thing makes you the director. It makes yep. you the guy that's making the decisions. Whereas in those other those other jobs, other people are making decisions for you. There you go, Frederick. Go chase sure. it, brother. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm gonna let Thanks, you go. Man. Good talking to you. Make some room for somebody else. Thanks. Uh, I also want to throw up this comment here real quick. Uh, those that are broke suggest money won't bring happiness. I've had the money, lost it, was a lot happier, more relaxed with money. Financial success mm -hmm. is underrated. Correct. I co-signed that 100%. Let's throw Colston on. What's up, brother? Hey, man. <clears throat> uh, a big fan of your work, Rolo. Um, Thank you. 
So basically my question comes down to, um, I have a, to set the scene a little bit. Um, I'm 19 right now, about to turn 20. Um, I'm working as a waiter and I work for my parents' office and they're both doctors and not happy in doing either job, basically dealing with people all the time. Um, even though I'm learning how to deal with people, uh, I definitely want to start my own business. Um, I went to school for, went to college for a year, but I dropped out. I still have that debt. Um, what I really like doing is sort of along the lines of what you like doing is design, graphics, mm -hmm. um, those sort of things. And I'm even taking guitar lessons because a lot of people I hang out with now are in bands. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'm like little Rolo. Yeah. But um, this so. is like this is like right up your alley. <laughs> By the way, this this um, do your work piece of art. That's what Colson sent over oh, really? the one oh, that I shared. Cool. That's cool. You know, the other day. See, you have some talent. Yeah, yeah kids Thank got some you. talent, man. So. Mm -hmm. Rolo, you've got the floor. I've got nothing to add uh, to this. Well, I mean, but what do you want me to tell you? Yeah, I mean, go go for it. Um, I I think that uh, as I was telling uh, Frederick before, um, getting out there and doing something just because you set out to do one thing doesn't mean it doesn't lead to something else. Uh, this is what I my daughter is twenty one years old, and this is what I've told her from the beginning. It's like I didn't set out to be an author. Um, I set out to do certain things. I, I, have, um, I know what my core talents are. Um, one thing I, I will tell you this is when I got, and this just, here's a little bit of, of insight or inside Rolo's head kind of thing. Um, when I was 19, there's only one thing I really wanted to do. And that was play in a band and get laid. And those were the, those were the things that I was always on about, but everyone would tell me, you're such a great artist. You need to get into art. You need to get into this. You need I to get that, into yeah. that. Yeah. And so people, because, uh, what, the, you want to know how I got into the graphic design? Here's, here's the secret. Um, I got into graphic design because whenever I was playing a gig, we had to put flyers out because this was before the internet, right? And so you had to go and hand out flyers to everybody who was on the Hollywood Strip or for, you know, you'd put them up on wherever you were, you know, you put them up on phone poles and, and stuff like that to, to let everybody know because there was no internet and you couldn't do that. So you had to build a following like f literally from grassroots. Well, what I did was I started doing, I was using my artistic talents to make these flyers. And what happened is other bands saw my flyers and they're like, dude, come over and do my flyer. Please do my fire. You're such a great artist. And so like, here I am trying to like make it as a musician, but everybody's like telling me to, to go this way, right. To, to, to get into art. And so I had that then when I got into later on and I was in university, that was my, it was very obvious for me that I was going to get a, a BFA. Right. And I wanted to, um, I wanted to use it in some capacity because I knew I was creative and I, I've, I've used my creative talent in so many different ways, like visual talent, you know, or I, I can do video work. I can do, um, you know, I can paint, I can sculpt, I can, you know, there's lots of things that I can do creatively. I can write creatively. I can play music creatively. So if you are a creative individual, don't think that you're only locked into one one area i mean if you're if you're a virtuoso if you're eddie van halen if you're like a virtuoso musician yeah folk go where your strengths are but if you're a creative person you can use that creative talent in a lot of different ways so find out what find out what the ways that you that you know a lot of times people will just tell you look you know your your talents are right here you're a great i, I can i'll tell you this right now just from looking what what uh rich has in this wall back there you're passionate about it enough that you wanted to go and spend that did you hand ink that ink that or how how did yeah, you do I that yeah, See, I, yeah so you took a lot of time yeah to put that thing that's a, like an original piece of art right so yes and if people are telling you you have a talent for that 
direct it that way. There was a time I wanted to be a comic book artist. I I, I really wish I would have like stuck at that a little. It's like the the payment is you know, getting paid is shit. But well, it's here's the thing yeah. about that today for artists because there's a lot of guys that are creative that. Um, don't do don't anything. think that they can do anything with it because that's where I'm at. They've been told mm -hmm. that there's no money in it or oh. you can't monetize it mm -hmm. or there's no way for you to be successful you can at totally it. Monetize. But we but we live in a world today that's completely permissionless. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like you you could create graphic work that you could upload to YouTube. Like right? you'll press the same upload button that PewDiePie presses, that Rolo Tomasi presses, that I press, right? Mm -hmm. It's all the same stuff. So um, you can go and broadcast whatever it is that you got. If you got a little thing for it and people like it and you can build an audience off it, then you can always sell them something because mm -hmm. people will pay for the convenience of getting certain things. Like a lot of people will, uh, the, you know, they'll point and sputter at me and you charge too much money for your community. It's like, well, don't come to it then, right? I mean, the reason why I put the stuff behind, you know, behind the paywall, and Colson's one of the guys behind the paywall, by the way, he's in my men's community, um, is because I can better organize the content that you know that I present. So, you know, there's there's like a sequence of things that that you can drip out as an artist behind a paywall. I have a guy that I uh, coached a couple of years ago, and he was a musician in I think either Argentina or Chile. Um, Queen's Tongue. So I think he was either from Australia or New Zealand, maybe South Africa. I can't remember. But um, he ran this uh, YouTube channel and he did um, music for jazz. Um, and when I started him out, he was like about 1900 subs and he's at like well over 140,000 now. And that only took about a year. And because of the stuff that he was putting out, he gave away lots of good free stuff, again, as an artist, but he put stuff behind a paywall that, that people could collaborate with him on. Right. So there's any number of things that you can do, man. I mean, great art, uh, mm. but, ha but like, how do you multiply that? Right? right. I mean, is there a way like, so here, so here's a potential business model for you. What you did was you basically took all the sound bites that I've used and you put it on here. Let me just grab it just, just so I can show you guys. Hold on. Yeah, this is good. I'm glad to see some young guys in here today. Yeah, yeah. You, you're number three, man. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we'll do this properly. So you can see that there's little sound bites there, right? Like, shh, show me. Um, mm. And, you know, pretty much like all this stuff that stuck out to you. So a content creator, you know, for, for example, could take this, put it up on their website and sell it to their audience. Like I've already had people that have seen this DM me saying, where do I get a copy of that? How do I get mm -hmm. a print? So what you could do, Colson, is you could approach content creators that you like, take, take your favorite sound bites, create a print and then license the print. They can either sell it off Teespring. You could create it like an online Shopify store where people can buy yeah. it. There's an affiliate commission. Um, so don't think for a minute that just because you got a creative mind that you're limited to, you know, living in a life of poverty. Right, right. <laughs> right? You know, I'm, I'm glad you said that because like I, and I'm not, I'm not going to run them up the flagpole, but like, I know Aaron Clary has a, a, a book called like useless, right? It's about these, these people like this generation of kids that were getting into college to get a degree that didn't do anything for them. So it's like, I, there's, and I, I, I was kind of sad about this because in the manosphere, there was this push that says, you know, just don't go to college. Just don't, you know, uh, don't major in liberal arts. Don't major in art or something like that. And like, it's going to be useless. I'm like, well, that depends because my first degree is a BFA, the bachelor of fine arts. And I have used it pretty much every day of my life in, in various 
you know, different companies in different ways. It's not necessarily like if you're if you're a creative individual, it's not necessarily your your fate to be a quote unquote starving artist. If you're organized, if you've got your shit together, if you have business acumen, if you are look, listen to Rich here, if you have a if you have a, a direction and a purpose for that art, you are you are ahead of the guys who don't have that artistic talent, who are str tr struggling to try to make it work. There are two kinds of artists. I'm gonna tell you, here's here's my my last word of wisdom to you. My, one of my art teachers told me this. She said there's two kinds of artists. There are artists that were born that way, like with a God-given talent. They have they have it, and they were born to do that, and they're good because of that. And then there's the guys who are really great artists, but don't have that talent, but they love it so much that they get they become good at it. And those those tend to be like the more technical artists, as opposed to the ones who are a little bit more like freeform and really. I mean, passion, I'm passionate, but like a little more invested, I think, of the people with the natural talent. So, but for both of those guys, the only the, the dividing line is between a starving artist and a successful productive artist is while doing the work, right? And it is finding ways to direct that energy. Like I said, you you have this energy, you have this um you have this pool of talent. How are you going to use that talent? Are you going to direct your are you going to use it? on your own by your own power or are you going to allow other people to use it you know for you so those are some decisions that you need to make but you don't have to be a starving artist you just have to find a way in a direction and there's another great uh, I, all of anybody watching this there's a really great book it's called mastery by uh robert great green book. yeah i got it awesome awesome book and that will help you I, I when i was reading this i'm like damn i wish i would have had this when i was 19 because it would have helped me direct my yeah. my talent in a, in a way that it would have been more productive yeah, and uh, just to kind of like plug this, there's an Amazon storefront, which I'm going to link in the uh, description of all my videos going forward. That's one of the books that I recommend in that storefront. Um, so definitely grab Mastery by Robert Greene. It's a great piece. <laughs> you cool, Colson? Okay, I appreciate it. All right, man, it. thanks. See you later. All right, uh, let's throw Georgie on now. Georgie. <laughs> hello, Georgie. hello, guys. How hey. you doing? Um, first of all, I want to say thank you guys for doing this and... I know both of your works, so I read your book as well. And it's very funny that you guys mentioned, um, you know, Robert Greene, because this guy is my favorite author. Mm -hmm. And I know every single, I read every single book of his, expect 50 cent hotel. Um, and so basically today's question, my question is about money, right? And the topic of this video is like, does money bring happiness? And I kind of want to comment about this and say that money does bring happiness because it gives us choices uh, that eventually uh, provides our happiness, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I want you guys, um, you know, kind of comment on it, what you guys think about it and your thoughts. Yeah, we kind of covered that at the early bit of the show. I don't know if you caught it, but it, but it brings you the flexibility to make choices, say no to people. It gives you the ability to raise the middle finger and tell somebody to pound sand, uh, mm -hmm. which you've seen me do <laughs> before. Um, it, like, it's... It's just a tool that allows you to leverage and optimize your own choices and happiness, okay? Um, it removes obstacles, things that get in your way, things that can bother you. It's useful, trust me. I, I mean, you're not going to, like, you can't buy happiness by buying a car or a house or a boat. You know, oh, whenever you talk that's... to a guy, well, whenever you talk to a guy that's got a boat, you know, they're always like, well, you know, my two happiest days were the day that I got it and the day that I got rid of it sort of thing, right? Um, but the experiences that they kind of have in between, you know, they're, you know, they're out with the kids they are doing some tubing. They got some friends over, they do a little barbecue. Like they have, 
you know, they have opportunities to have those experiences, but it's not the item itself that brings happiness. It's the experiences and the people that you bring into that environment that allow you to create those memories, which create the happiness, if that makes mm -hmm. sense to you. Uh, I mean, uh, for example, the have a better house, doesn't that makes you happier? What's that? Uh, if you have a better house, does it make you happier? I had a custom house that I built before this one when I was married, did not make me happier. I'm mm. far happier in this house than I was in the monstrosity that I created when I got married. Mm -hmm. I Beautiful that, custom build. Like everybody that came over, oh, wow, look at the 10-foot ceilings and the chandeliers and the curtains. Nobody cares. I forget where they did this research, but somebody, somebody was saying to me that after a certain amount of money, your quality of life 80, does, not, does not improve any more than than it would have if you 80, didn't have. Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah, I, it's I don't, about 80,000. It, it, it really depends. I mean, you've I mean, heard if that you're before, in, right? Yeah, like if you're in New, New York City, I'm sure it's a lot more, but mm -hmm. on average in North America, it's about 80,000. And after that, money doesn't doesn't tend to bring you happiness. It, it's it's just how you use it after that. Right. And like I, would, like I was saying before, money is potential. It's something that you can use to make something else happen. So once you've got a nice house, you're in a comfortable house where you're at, and you have that kind of money, what are you going to do with it at that point? You have all this potential. What are you going to do with that potential? So you see somebody like, what are you saying, um, uh, Bill Gates is, you know, what does he do with that, with the money? He doesn't, he's got more money than he'll ever need or ever spend. Mm. What do you do with that? His, his creature comforts and everything else are completely taken care of. What are you going to do with all of that? Where are you going to, you know, how are you going to apply that? He's and not I eating think, caviar every day. You ask yeah, him his favorite yeah. food is it's a hamburger. It's not like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he's not, yeah, exactly. You're still going to eat a, a cheeseburger and you're still going to, um, you know, you're still going to wipe your ass the same way you did, whether you're yeah. a billionaire or not. Um, but what are you going to do with the potential that you have? I think is the is the key there, and what can you what can you continue to do? What, what I always said this like when I hit when I hit fifty years old, I I decided for myself: do I what do I want to do? Do I want to be the guy who's known for uh, you know making some really nice liquor bottles and 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 helping people have a good time in bars, or do I want to be a guy who put a dent in the universe by writing a book that saves men's lives? And and improves their lives, and uh, you know, keeps you know keeps the guns out of their mouth, kind of thing. And so my decision at that point is like I I'm at a point financially where I can I've got money that I can point in a direction and make something happen with that money. So, um, so that's what I choose to do. I choose to write books. I choose to do and That's why uh, two years ago I decided that I wanted to go public and come on shows and talk and show my face because I knew that if I didn't, um, nothing, nothing gets done, you know? And at what point is it important to leave your mark? Like what kind of legacy are you going to leave? And sometimes it requires money to leave a legacy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, kind of with my question, what I mean is that, I mean, money gives the opportunity to say to people like, if you write, fuck right. you. Fuck you money. Uh, right. And yeah. it, that's what I mean. Two million dollars. <laughs> yeah, if you were to say, right, people, you know, like if you, uh, mm. and your 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 happiness would like become better, like uh, like you know, they're just saying, right, if you are depressed, you are not depressed. Just look around, and see what kind of people you are in, right? Mm -hmm. So when I when I say that, uh, you know, money brings brings makes you happy, uh, like not only it provides you with better options for yourself, it also gives you opportunity to say no to things that you don't like. Mm -hmm. Correct. And Correct. this is where it comes down. 
Yes. Multi mates. Correct. So, yeah. All right. Thanks for hopping on, Georgie. Okay. Bye. So, yeah. Um, there's nothing more satisfying than being able to use FU money and tell somebody to go pound sand. You know, I, I'll tell you this is like, I've heard that a lot. You know, I seen that, what was that? It was in the, uh, the gambler or something like that. With That's been mentioned the, a few the times. FU money. Yeah. So, so FU money is like $2 million. And I, I've found is this. Is that all it is? Just $2 million? I think that's what they were saying it was. Oh, okay. it's, it's basically you have, you got, you buy your house outright, you've got a car, you're pretty much set for the rest of your life with mm. just this, uh, this amount of money so that if you want to get involved in something yeah, else I guess, where you're working, yeah, I guess you if you'd live like you a pretty and, minimized yeah. lifestyle, you could, you could have a few money at two. I, I mean, let me, let me ask you this question because I found this. Uh, once I got to the point where I was able to, I don't have fuck you money, but I am comfortable enough to not have to work in a nine to five. Mm. When I made that transition, when I finally said, you know what, I can, I, I'm fairly, first of all, I had to talk my wife into it, right? Because I had to say, look, this is how we're going to live right now. This is how, this is where I'm going. And this is how we're going to live right now because I feel like I can do this. And I did, and I pulled this off. Right. Mm. And so, so I, that's, that, that was one, one topic I wanted to talk about is that, you know, when you are living with somebody and you switch over or you add a lot of money to a couple that changes the dynamic in that couple. But also, and this is the question I had for you mm -hmm. is when you got to the point where you had, let's just say you had fuck you money or let's, you got to the point where you don't have to go to work nine to five and you can set your own hours. Did you find that you had to be more responsible and more disciplined and more regimented after that? Because that's the thing that got me is when I started, when I shifted over into doing what it is I do now, um, yeah. I felt that like I used to have to get up at like 5.30 in the morning every morning because I had to get to the gym because it was, it's not because I was disciplined, it's because that was the only time I could go. Mm. And so I would get there, I had to go, I knew what my commute was going to be, I knew when I was going to arrive, I knew what my projects were, I knew that, you know, I was going to have a three-day weekend instead of a two-day weekend. And, and so you you live life according to that regimen. And when that's taken away, I find that that's when guys fall into bad habits. That's I'll when they you, lose their shit. Yeah. Like I'll tell you what I've noticed. So yes. Um, yes. Uh, the, the follow-up to that though is um, here's the thing. <laughs> How can I put this? Um, well, I, I think the fantasy is that, well, once I've got all this money, then I can do what I want. Well, then... at some point, you got to come to the realization that you can't screw it up. Like I was talking to Aaron Cleary about this. I think we were doing a show on his channel once. And we were just kind of shooting, shooting the breeze. And it's like, you know, after a certain point when you've made made bank and you figured out how it works and you figured out how you can leverage it to have a happier life, you also have to figure out how to not screw it up. Um, cause when you're a young man, like when you're 25 years old, you can screw up and recover in five, 10 years, no problem. Right. Hmm. Um, when you're an older guy, it's harder to recover, especially if you're married too. Cause if you're married and you screw up, that's when the tox clock's ticking. That's when her hypergamy is kicking in and she's starting to maybe chat ups, you know, Kevin from sales sort hmm. of thing, if you don't get it back together. So, um, you certainly want, like, you can't relax. I don't relax anyway. Like, I, I probably work more and harder today than yes. what I did 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any question in my mind. Even, even in my startup phase of my first successful business, I probably work 
more and hard which is funny because my brother comes over like family events and he's like so what's it like being retired you know you don't do anything all day do you because you're yeah you know no. you're at home <laughs> pretty much every day of the yeah. week except for one day when you come into yeah. the office right yeah. Yeah. but they don't get that I'm that I'm on all the time sometimes I'm lying it like I have a notepad beside my bed because sometimes I'm lying in bed and I'm trying to fall asleep and I can't because I'm because I'm thinking through shit yeah and I'll like literally have to like get it out of my head and write it down yep. so that I, have, I can go to sleep. I have four of them like right here on the table, but yeah, I, I, I feel you. I have to do the same thing because if I don't, I'll forget it in the morning. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. So yeah, it's, you're like always on. I mean, like it never ends. Hunter, mm -hmm. what's up, man? Hey, how's it going? Hey, good brother. All right. So, uh, Originally, I had a question for uh, Rolo Tomasi about his book and specifically mm -hmm. his audio book, but I got so uh, involved with like listening to you guys talk about <laughs> art and chasing excellence and, and all that. And I, I wanted to, to touch on kind of the actual topic of the podcast tonight, mm -hmm. which was uh, Does Money Buy Happiness? And to me, the advice that I've gotten, and I've, I've talked to a few entrepreneurs myself, um, and what I've heard is that um, motivation doesn't really matter, right? Um, motivation gets you to discipline and it's discipline that picks you up and gets you to where you need to be. You're not going to be motivated every day. I wasn't motivated to work out today, but I knew that as soon as I got there, um, and once I started working out, I was going to feel better about the day and I was going to feel more productive having done something for the day. So it's that discipline that gets you somewhere. And it's the same way. It's the same aspect with money buying happiness. Money is not going to buy you happiness. Money is like motivation. Money will get you to the discipline and then getting that discipline where will get you to where you want to be in life. That's kind of what I believe. Um, what I wanted to ask you, and I don't know if you guys agree with that or not, but um, what I wanted to ask you about Rolo is kind of, um, so I have this, like these art pieces in the background here, that one's of rich. Uh -huh. Um, but I've I've been doing all these pieces and I've been trying to like I can I can whip them out pretty easily, right? Mm -hmm. So I got one of Star Wars there and I've got mm -hmm. Cowboy here and all this stuff. I can make these art pieces and I'm kind of catering to like a pop culture audience. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of just wondering how to get myself exposed out there and get Ooh, started. I'll give you a real that's good, what I want to do. I'll give you a real good idea. This guy and he's not a personal friend, but just sort of an acquaintance. There's this guy online and he's on Facebook and he is on I know he's on YouTube, but he does something similar. Is he's it's called Paint the Trail or something like that. And he's the only reason I know about him is because he's into greyhounds and stuff as well. But what he does is very similar to what you do is he will create these images of like pop culture. And then he mm -hmm. jumps on whatever, um, like whatever, like YouTube channel or whatever media that he can get onto. And so he'll be talking about one thing and then he will take that one topic that he's talking about that's a big ass glass of uh, <laughs> you know, this one this one Focus. whatever he, whatever he is talking about and then he will use that as a, to be like subjective so if he's talking about something on the youtube channel or whatever it is is he's that he's doing then he will switch the conversation over and now we're going to paint this and he's he's almost like bob ross in a sense because he's like sort of talking while he's creating art but he does 
uh, like pictures of or he does art of like actors and singers and like anything mm. that's like sort of pop culture. He got like well, you had Clint Eastwood up there, um, very similar to that. And he has a very his very distinct style, but it's called Paint the Trail. And he's out of Florida. I know he's out of Orlando, Florida. Uh, but go look up that guy and look what he's doing because very similar in in comparison to what you're doing right now. It's called Paint the Trail, and I wish I wish I had the guys. I should probably look it up. Um, really okay. good. So I guess um, my question is: so like I've I have my own um, YouTube channel right now. It's more of like doing YouTube tutorials and just like right now the real problem with YouTube tutorials and IT is every single one is like by a guy with like a really thick accent and you can't really understand the like what they're talking about and so what i tried to do is like take that niche market and say like okay i know it i know what they're doing i understand it i can explain it better and i also have an accent that people can understand okay. here i i just found it. his name is jeff songson or something like that just look you know okay. if you put paint the trail in uh in Google, you'll find this guy and you'll see exactly what he, he paints on. He paints murals. Sometimes he'll do like, uh, he'll paint on like fences and things like that. And, uh, really good. It's, look at this dude. This is, you want a, a model or a, like what you can do with this stuff. This is what you can do. Okay. I guess my question, and I, I do like that. It's helpful. My question to, I guess, both to you is, you know, um, what did you guys do besides like the YouTube channel, you know? What did you guys do to kind of like market yourself and put yourself out there? And how can I kind of mimic that and do it myself? Because I want to get out there. Well, that's yeah. the beauty of YouTube is, is you have a good story to tell. If you have like, like people either go to YouTube to uh, learn something or to be entertained, right? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. um, a Casey Neistat video or Daily Driven Exotics, for example, is an entertainment channel, right? There's, there's right. not a lot of education you're going to get out of that. Sometimes they'll have, you know, educational conversations, but people, people more often than that will go to YouTube to be entertained more than anything. Mm -hmm. Like the educational stuff, they're like the vast majority of the population right now is watching a slime video or some mm -hmm. fucking family vlog on YouTube, right? They're not watching yeah. this. I mean, we've only got 570 viewers currently right now, so they're not watching this, right? Mm -hmm. They're watching entertainment because they want to like zone out, put their feet up and, you know, play not to lose, right? So um, right. to to build an audience, you have to do something that is either entertaining or educational. Educational is harder to do. I mean, that's what we're doing here right now. It's a, it's a longer, slower run. I've seen YouTube channels blow up to a million subscribers in six months because, mm -hmm. because of vlogging, because of entertainment aspects of it. So if you really want to grow fast, I would say entertain them somehow. Mm -hmm. And okay. you'll know because you'll get traction like quickly, right? Like, mm -hmm. like people will obviously dig it. And you've probably got a, a better chance of recommendation to other viewers on YouTube with the current algorithms with an entertainment type of channel. You'll never see an education. Well, it's very rare that you'll see an educational video on the trending page of YouTube. It's mostly entertainment stuff, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's true. And then the other question I had for you specifically, Rolo, is uh, it's more about your book um, well, your audio book. So when you're when you're going through like Audible, um, do they let you pick the? Because I know you didn't voice it, right? It was no, someone no, else. Sam Bada, Sam Bada, he was okay. my voice talent. Did you get to pick the talent? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
In fact, I okay. specifically picked Sambata for that. First of all, Sambata Sambata is a that's he's a professional voice talent. That's he's the guy that like you would listen to in the movie trailers about behold you know he had this really yeah. very you know operatic kind of uh you know shakespearean voice um but he um he has been a fan of mine even since before i had a book and so we were friends before that and i said you know when i do a book i'm going to do the audio book and he he insisted he said i really want to do this book and then he ended up um getting in a hit and run accident and he had um some he had really had to teach himself how to speak again because he had some neurological damage done to him okay and so I, I, I literally about. i literally waited a year to get the first audiobook done because he had to go through all of this therapy like speech therapy and all this other mm -hmm. stuff so that he could even get to the point where he could read the book and and you know translate it and re, you know whatever we could record it and so um so that's how that worked out and then i had him read the other the other two after that as well because people i got such a good response from that i thought it was it was it was fitting and a uh, similar situation for each of the books that i've written a year later the audiobook comes out because it takes him that long to do it um, but i think it's worth it and so that's why i stick with it and i split royalties with him as well so um, yeah, he's got a great voice, and like I, I wanted to know more about the process of that because uh, mm -hmm. I do, in addition to doing art, I do some writing myself. Mm -hmm. um, that's, and um, then, that's also, I was going to say, reading books, if you have a good voice and you can read a book, that's a, a new uh job description these days people yeah. like you can get into self-publishing that's another thing about like what, what rich was saying right now we live in a time where it's never been easier to do things to be a, like right now the only time i could publish this book is now because mm. if i was to take this to a traditional publishing house they'd be like get the never fuck out of here yeah they would, yeah, they right. would not do it so <laughs> we we finally live in an age of technology where i can do print on demand also for doing audiobooks uh i could probably do an audiobook right here in this studio if i if i was you know audio talent or whatever um and so it's never been easier to do those things by you know for maybe 500 bucks you can suddenly get into that and you can make good money on that if you are a good reader if you have some sort of it almost it's like an almost like an acting skill really um but that's would, another job you can do i would um I would tell authors this though, um, like it was, it was really strange meeting Rollo in person because I didn't recognize him. Um, I didn't like his voice meant nothing to me. To me, when I met Rollo, Thanks. Sam, Sam Botta was Rollo. Was the voice of Rollo. Yeah. yeah. Because I had listened to his voice so much <laughs> that it was like, I connected Rollo Tomasi with Sam Botta. Rolo walks up to me and like punches me in the stomach and I'm like, who's this guy? I don't, I don't recognize him. You know, he starts talking, his voice means like nothing, like there's no connection, right? Mm -hmm. I always tell authors now, um, read your own book if you can't. Um, like unless, I like- Unless you're Rolo Tomasi, don't read your book. Well, Ro <laughs> I think Rolo should read one of his books anyway. I will. I'm, prob yeah. I'm probably going to read the fourth book, so. Yeah. You yeah, should, but, you should put it on YouTube. And I also think that, uh, I think you should talk more about the, um, about Sam and, you know, tell us, tell us kind of story there because the reason why I brought up the, the question was because I was like, this guy's got a great voice in one chapter mm -hmm. and then another chapter, 
after that, it'll sound like uh, he's got mm. got like something going on with the speech. And I was like, what is yeah, you that? can tell he's struggling. I want to know. Yeah. Yeah, I want to know more about that. And I thought it was sure. When you were talking sure. about, it, I thought it was way more. Uh, Sam's probably watch. He's probably watching right now. If he's not, yeah. uh, I, that's hey, actually not a bad it, idea. I'll as bring long him as on. he's cool with it, you know, tell his story. You've got a that's you've a got a big idea. voice and you got a big following. You know, it's a good idea. It might be worth it. Yeah, you should put him on one of your regular broadcasts. Yeah, I'll take. I'll, maybe I'll bring him on on Wednesday, and we'll just do a whole episode about how we sort of came together. So do it. And you should. All right, Hunter. I think a lot of. Oh, I just want to say one last thing, and then mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of people, you know, enjoy. One thing that I've noticed about YouTube is uh, you guys are like the, you're like the internet superheroes, right? And so everybody wants to hear like, the backstory. They want they want your origin. The story. Origin story. Ryan I think you says, give, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you should give the viewers that. And I think a lot of people like that about Rich's sure. content is because he brings it out. And he says, like, you know, this is where I've been. I've, I've been divorced. I have a kid now. Mm-hmm. And these are all things I've done. I think that's how his following kind of gathers because people knew, like, they could put a face to him. They know what he's saying. And they're also like, okay. People, he's, people he's can real, usually like, tell when you're authentic and when you're full of shit, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Not always. I mean, there's some content creators out there that rip off material from other people and they'll pass it off as their own and some people swallow it hook, line and sinker. But when you start telling like authentic, real stories about your own struggles and experiences in your own life, um, you get a pretty good connection. So that's definitely something else to consider too. Hunter. For sure. All right, dude. Thanks, man. Thanks. Thanks for the art too. See you, man. All right, uh, let me just deal with these uh, super chats real quick, just to acknowledge them. Uh, five bucks from Crispy and Philly. Thanks, brother. And there was another one here, I think, with a question. I notice money doesn't change you, but it changes people around you. Um, yeah, one thing, one of the things that you'll notice when you start to become successful and you've accumulated some wealth and you're playing to win is people that you haven't talked to in a while, they'll start oh, reaching out to you. you. Hey, how you been? I haven't talked to you in a while. What have you been up to? You know, I was uh, doing such and such on my phone and they recommended one of your videos to me. I didn't know you were doing that. That's really cool. Blah, 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 blah. Right. Yeah. Um, or they see you with something new or yeah. you're driving a new truck or something. Oh, car, that's great. Truck, yeah. yeah. How much you pay for that? Yeah. yeah. Or um, I'll tell you, I liked what you were saying before about like how when you're like you make your own hours everybody wants your freaking time man they mm. go oh, you don't work man can you mm. go and pick up so-and-so from school can you go yeah. and go to the grocery store and pick this shit up and can you go and it's like you're their gopher all of a sudden no. it's like no i write, I'm, no. I'm writing books like well you're just sitting up there on your ass no yeah. i'm not i'm actually doing work yeah you're just a talking you know? head on youtube they, they right? don't know yeah <laughs> you're just yeah you just go out there and you you use crayons and you know paint pretty pictures no i'm sure. actually working asshole keep telling yourself no. that sweetheart what's up right hey how you guys doing tonight doing good um bro. Doing good, good, good. So uh, you guys have mentioned earlier about that sort of transition from being a full-time employee to doing your own thing. And I dr- dropped a link in the uh, the, the show there um, for a guy by the name of Mad Fiantist. He's one of the big guys in the financial independence retirement early sort of uh, sphere. Yeah. Got several different writings on like what it's like to do that transition. I think you, I just thought that might be mm-hmm. something you guys were interested in. So the question that I have tonight is kind of playing to win when you're not an entrepreneur, not a creative type, don't really want to do the business thing. Um, mm-hmm. I've been in the contracting and military world for about 22 years. I'm very much the behind the scenes, get things done, make things happen kind of guy. I'm not a real creative. I don't want to, mm-hmm. building widgets would drive me up the freaking wall. Now, personally, I've been looking at, uh, I'm probably going to start going back to school next semester for a master's in social work so I can start doing things like um, 
therapy and counseling, because obviously there's a lot of guys out there that uh, really have a need for that, not just in the manosphere, but you know, in the world at large. And I think that'd be a lot better way to have an impact on a personal level. But I was wondering if you guys could talk a bit about you know, playing to win and pursuing that uh, impact in the world without it being in that business context or without it being in the you know content creation sort of sphere. Hmm. Hmm. Um, well, see, this is like, it's funny. This is, this would be a good question that my dad would probably be able to answer for you. My dad was in no way a creative guy. Um, I have, uh, I've dealt with, look, I can only relate this back to my, like my liquor brands and the, the, uh, the gaming brands that I've worked with. Cause there's guys that I know who don't have a creative bone in their body and they tend to either be very good salesmen or they're good organizers. Like they can, they can, uh, they can build a business around, um, organizing things. And I don't just mean, you know, uh, like not like companies or something like that, but just organize being good organizers. Um, that's a tough one. I, I don't know. I, I don't come from that background, so it's kind of hard for me to say that, but I've worked for a lot of guys that do exactly that. And I think that the, the basic principles of what Rich has been talking about up to this point still apply regardless. So it's like, what is, what is the safe route? what is not the safe route what is the way that you are going to have more control over the situation and when what what circumstances are going to put you in what circumstances are going to make you beholden to, to other people like i was telling that one kid um frederick i said the the choices of the jobs that he was talking about were ones where other people were making decisions for his life and that last one was like the, you know, when he wanted to be a skincare or whatever it was, he started his own business. Yeah. That's where he's in more control. That's where he has, I've, I've said this before. And this is in the, I believe this is in the, yeah, the first book. Um, it's uh, a post that I wrote called truth to power. And I was analyzing the idea of power and what makes for power. Cause a lot of people seem to think that power means control over other people it means like being able to and we, we think of people like that right we say oh that person's powerful because they they can tell that person what to do or that's status that's or that more makes influence him, that makes an alpha or whatever yeah but that's more influence because what power really is is it's the degree of control over which you have over your own life and, mm. the, and the course of what you can do yeah, with with your life so the real real past sometimes that includes being able to direct people around so you can direct the, your own life but really when um when i'm talking to guys who are going through um divorce or guys who are um who want to say oh i want to get married and i'll tell them look you know we, or when you move in with a woman you become less powerful as a man because the course of the things that you can do are limited by the needs and the wants of other people so real power like when when we take away power from men it's really taking away the power to direct their own lives so when rich talks about um you know playing to win i think really the the and I, I don't know what it is exactly you do for a living but it's figuring out what is the position that gives you the most power what puts you in the uh, the capacity to direct your own life so when we talk about can money buy happiness? Mm, well, it can't buy it directly, but it can empower you to do the things or to make the ch choices over your own life and direct your own life more so than somebody who does not have that 
the, those resources, that money. So what I would suggest is, um, I, I can't really give you a business plan, but I would say whatever it is that you are into, look for the option that gives you the most control over your own life. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to go back to school to get that certification to kind of move into that world for one mm -hmm. thing. Um, you know, personally, right now, basically what I'm doing, I'm working uh, as a government contractor and I'm the guy that they turn to and say, OK, we need to get from point A to point B, uh, whether that's a, you know, get some sort of project done, get some, you know, acquire something, whatever it is. And I'm just the guy that makes makes that happen, you know, going over, under, around or through whatever happens to be mm -hmm. between point A and point B. I'm really good at that. Um, the thing that I'm not good at is creating that content sort of de novo mm -hmm. and putting it out in the space, right? Both you and Rich have done, you know, counseling work and, and coaching work with people, but it sort of stemmed from the content that you're putting in the world. And then people brought you their problems based on mm -hmm. what you showed the world you were good at. I'm not good at, sh I'm much better at somebody bringing their problems to me and then I can fix mm -hmm. it from there. I believe, so, which is counseling thing, I believe in the thing. So what I what I tell younger guys this is particular and this is from a creative standpoint. But what I tell younger guys is that it's just because you don't have the facility to do the things you want. Like I, I'll talk to guys and they'll say, "I want to create my own video game." Okay, great. Well, I don't know how to code. Well, what are you going to tell the guy? Learn how to code, right? Learn how to do this. Learn how to do that. I would say that if you have a strong idea, there are people who already know ways or have the talents that you can tap to make that idea happen that's like if you look at like a guy like steve jobs steve jobs didn't know how to do anything with respect to like coding or or he just had ideas he said i think that the ipad should exist i think the iphone should exist how are we going to do that i'm going to get all these dudes here and we're going to come together and we're going to we're going to collaborate and put that together so if you're the guy that is being tasked with getting from point a to point b and you don't know how to do it are there people that you can can draw in to make your idea a reality. Well, there's much more that I'm the Steve Wozniak guy. In mm -hmm. other words, I'm the guy that makes so the point A to point B. You're the happen. builder. Mm -hmm. I'm the builder, right. Mm -hmm. So I'm maybe the, you need to find like an outside guy because that was a partnership that Jobs and Wozniak had was Wozniak yeah. was the inside guy that did all the all the grunt work and mm -hmm. Jobs was the guy that came up with the ideas that, sh that sold shit to the public. He made it happen. Yeah. I just right. don't want to be, I just don't want to be making widgets for the rest of my life. Right. I don't want to be mm -hmm. doing bullshit, which is kind of why you want to go down that counseling route. But thank you guys very yeah. much. That, it's, it's very interesting in terms of looking at it from a finding so, a space. You just know? as a kind of closing comment on, on the whole counseling route thing too, the, the limitation with that from the perspective of playing to win versus playing not to lose anybody that's going to exchange time for money is always going to have a limited ability for flexibility and time and income because right. one because one hour of time is only going to earn you so much for some people it might be a hundred dollars for others it might be a thousand dollars right um you're always going to change that block of time there's 24 hours in a day time's valuable it's a it's a very valuable resource so one thing that i would encourage you to do is find a way to try to either multiply the um counseling sort of work that you want to do so that if you work for an hour you're actually working for more than one person right. um you know you can do it with lessons with courses with online stuff like that's one way to do it um but try not to limit yourself to 
Ryan's time for one hour in exchange for, you know, Bob walking in to have a conversation with you. Because mm-hmm. you're always right. going to like, every single counselor that I know wants to get out of counseling after a while, just because they can't stand exchanging time for money, because they see that there's, that there's better opportunities out there to either speak or provide course uh, content and stuff like that. But it takes time, dude, too, though. Like, when I first started doing Clarity Coaching Calls, and the biggest criticism people have today of me is, well, you're $1,100 an hour. That's too much. You're insane. The minimum wage in Canada is this, that, and the other thing. And you're $7,862% you know, more than the minimum wage. And they lose their fucking shit. But what they don't understand was... My average call when I first started, you know, started to do it was about an hour long, and I would be charging like two hundred bucks for the hour, um, or yeah, it was about two hundred bucks for the hour. Uh, now at now at eleven hundred bucks, most of my calls are like anywhere from like fourteen to sixteen minutes on average. They're quite a bit shorter because I can solve the problem a lot quicker. Yep. So that frees up my time too, right? Mm. Plus, I'm more effective, and people give me great reviews. So why wouldn't I charge more? I mean. Right. Why wouldn't I keep increasing the price? So um, as you get better at it, make sure that you always price yourself accordingly because too yeah. many people get stuck at a certain price range and they'll be like, well, I have a piece of paper that says I'm qualified for $200 an hour and that's all I can do. Right. Okay. I have no pieces of paper and I do it 1100 bucks an hour and I'm booked, right? Like I, mm-hmm. like I take calls. So um, just... Ah. F- figure out a way of not letting yourself be in the box that that's where Steve Jobs was great mm-hmm. is a lot of people would say that you know there's inside the box thinking there's outside of the box thinking there's not even seeing the box thinking and that's right. when Steve Jobs comes up and he's like you know I think I'd like to put all my music in something about this size and mm-hmm. uh, you know not very thick and I want you people to go make it right now right <laughs> but I mean like he had the power to do that because you know he had he had chased excellence you know for many many years before he got to the point where he's like I think I want to build an mp3 player and we'll call it the iPod and it needs to be this big and nothing existed like that nothing right but hard drives came out just around that time and they figured out a way to store music data on something small and convenient enough you could put in your pocket yeah. anyway i'm kind of zigzagging all over the place idea, but you get yeah. my point i do thank you, you. know I, and, and he's the one rich is really the one to talk about when it comes to counseling and things like that because i am a counselor by default I, I i don't have a business i'm not on clarity i don't do any of that stuff i'm a writer that's what i do but i will talk to you and if you would like to pay me for your for the time that i talk to you i will but uh i i kind of just got into um, being a counselor because so many people had questions and they wanted some sort of personalized answer. And that's really where I go from, from a counseling perspective. I, I kind of do the opposite of what Rich does. It's like, I will say, okay, uh, pay me what you thought it was worth. And usually when I do that, people tend to pay pretty well for that because it's helped them solve the problem. And I see that as kind of a, a way of um, helping the next guys who like if somebody like says oh that was great here i'm gonna give you a thousand dollars great then there's like a kid who's like you know 14 15 years old who wants to ask me a question he doesn't have that kind of money i figure well okay the other guy just paid it forward for that guy and it works out that way and so my time gets gets covered eventually because you know because other people see the value in what it is that i'm giving them cool thank you gentlemen thanks ryan all right and on that note, we're at the 90-minute mark, guys. I, oh, I keep these shows tight. Uh, so I apologize for those of you that talked to Josh and got screened at or sit in the waiting area. Oh, look, Sam's, um, in the, Sam's in the chat. Sam, we got to do, do a video together on Wednesday. 
Yeah, yeah. Schedule that in with, with Sam. Um, so these shows go on every other Thursday now. I think I'm going to make this a thing. So we'll do episode number three in two weeks on a Thursday at 8 p.m. So if you have a question, you can hop in um, and ask it. Try to come in early. Um, I always give preference to guys in my community. So there's some guys in there that um, you know came in from the community afterwards, but they're basically my VIPs, right? Like They've been with me for a while. If you want to join my community, guys, it's just entrepreneursandcars.com forward slash community. Uh, there should be a link in the description below, but it's an annual membership. Uh, it's not monthly, it's annual, and you get lots of perks there. It's all on the link there, so check it out. And one last thing before I bounce, I got a shout out to my channel sponsor, uh, Grondike Soap Company, mm. Tactical Soap, and Beard Oil. If you use the coupon code COOPER, you get 10% off at checkout. Help support the creation of content on my channel. You're showering anyway. Why not use something that's pheromone-infused, give you a little bit of a up on the sexual marketplace. They also have a great beard oil too, uh, which I helped develop. It's got my ugly face on it. So you're going to have to see me <laughs> in your bathroom. If uh, <laughs> if that doesn't scare off the ladies, I don't know what will, right? Check it out. He said it would get me laid. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go, fellas. But um, yeah, so uh, quick shout out. What's what's the rule zero topic for Saturday? Because I won't be we, on Okay, this we're weekend. rule zero. We're going to do it at the same time. It's going to be uh, Ryan is hosting. So it's going to be on his channel. Uh, we're going to be talking about have men adapted to the sexual marketplace. It's sort of a I, we're oh, kind I of wanna, I want to be on for that. Talk. My latest it's if you go and you check out my latest post block, on yeah. on the rational mail. Um, it's called have men adapted to the new sexual marketplace. Um, we're going to discuss that. Uh, I was actually going to do it on my channel, but I thought I would much rather get everybody in all on one to, to have a broader discussion of that. But that was sort of, uh, spawned from a conversation that went on in my comment thread, um, about our MGTOW show. And it's mm. like, they were, they're arguing whether or not MGTOW is sort of a regression or if it's a progression or is MGTOW an adaptation or is it sort of like regress or is it just exacerbating an already uh, segregated sexual marketplace? So we we're talking about that and I get into that and kind of, it's, it's actually a pretty lengthy post. It's almost about, I think it's about 2,800 or 3,000 words. So um, go check it out. Um, and I, it's actually getting a lot more, uh, traffic than I imagined it would. And so we're going to do a episode on that. Cool. All right. So rule zero is Saturday on Ryan's channel at Ryan's 11, eleven thirty Eastern AM. Cool. And I'll probably be on for the one the week after that. Cause I got cool. an opening, but, uh, that's it guys. Thanks for I watching guess. tonight. We'll catch you on the next episode of playing to win in two weeks time, Thursday, 8 PM Eastern standard time. Peace. Mm.